Hey, welcome to another episode of Grace and Truth with Johnny Rollett. Grace and Truth comes from John 1.14, where it says Jesus was full of grace and truth. Join us today on this podcast as we dive into deep revelation and find ways to make it understandable cowboy style simple that's the way i like it and i hope you do too today is one of those days that you're going to get a perspective that you may have never ever even considered and uh and that you're going to go why yeah it's like such a duh but it's it's going i just believe in my heart that it's going to minister life to you it's going to encourage you and give you another foothold, another handhold in your climb, in your in your journey. How's that? How's that? So let's let's just go to this verse right quick. We're we're in Ephesians chapter six, and then we're we're just going to be doing one verse today, and it's verse seventeen. It's actually the backside of seventeen, but we'll do the whole verse. Above all, taking the shield of faith. Above all. Above all. It's like saying in cowboy terms, listen up, you're gonna need this. Like this is you you need you can you can get the right bit, you can get the right uh you know uh, the wraps for your horse's feet, you can do all that kind of stuff, but above all you're gonna need a saddle. You know what I mean? If we're going to get into the writing today, you're going to need, above all else, don't forget your saddle, all right? And that's kind of like this, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. I, I wanted, I brought out two points yesterday, uh, you know, and, and that is that as of yet, all of the equipment has been defensive. Even the next verse, which is, uh, and take up the helmet of salvation. All the equipment is defensive. Uh, but one part I didn't bring out yesterday is that the Roman soldier had no, no protection on his back. So the, the two points I wanted to make is that, number one, all the equipment is defensive. Number two, that it's not, none of the equipment is used to attack the enemy, but defend themselves from the enemy. All right? The, the caveat of that is there is no equipment for your hindquarters. So what that means is you were called to, above all else, Move forward. There is no retreat in Jesus. There is no backing up, backing down. There is no turning, turn tail and running. If you if you are running, then you're you're exposed because you have no protection for your backside. I somebody just needs to hear that today. You you may fight face some fiery darts. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. The enemy's going to shoot some fiery darts at you. You know, uh, warfare is, spiritual warfare is full real. 
But the only way you don't, the only way you lose is if you turn and run. You can face any fire. You can face any battle. Any battle. And all you got to do is stand and walk. Stand and walk. Move forward. Come on, brother. Move forward. Move forward. I know that what you went through is very difficult. I know that the enemy has just believes with all of his heart that that's going to take you out of this deal. The victory is in that no matter what, we move forward. We move forward. As that was just something on my heart that, that God laid on my heart this morning. Um, but here's... Here's the the other part of that. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now listen. So we finally got an offensive weapon. We finally got an offensive weapon. And yet, is it really used for offense? (laughs) Is it used? Let me tell you what. I'm going to just be just real as I can be. When a lot of Christians hear that, and I've heard it preached from the pulpit, that this word is become like sharper than a two-edged sword, and we're to take this thing, and you can slay the enemy, and you can rip out the heart of the enemy, and you can tear out the, the throat of the enemy, and you can cut the head off of the giant, and you can, let me tell you, our weapons are not carnal. Come on. This this weapon is not to be used in that manner. This weapon is for your spiritual warfare. And and he, so Paul had to make sure that you understood that this, this sword is the sword of the Spirit, which is, and he literally defines it, which is the Word of God. He's very definitive. And I, I kind of wondered why. I don't have to really wonder why because I grew up in this thing and I've heard so many people, you know, that just, man, put, sheath your sword. You know, you, we're not talking about you going out and never mind, swinging wildly and, you know, come on. I, I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to walk you through it. And I, I hope that you get, um, if you get this. Ready? Let's let's start with this verse right here. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's one of my all-time favorite verses. Let's just walk this out and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Woo! That means that it's penetrating and it's it's... It's revealing who you really are and revealing your relationship with the Father. Um, 
let me go on because there's so much more to say here, but I'm just going to let the scripture kind of speak for itself. Uh, the next one is, I'm going to take you all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis, we're going to walk through the word really quickly. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. I'm saying it again. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. says this. <clears throat> So he drove out the man, and he placed a cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Um, so that, what we call that is the, um, okay, let me, let me just kind of take you into a little bit of a scholarly mindset. Uh, when you're learning how to read the word and you're going through school, you know, through whatever, one of the first one of the first things that they kind of teach you is the law of first. Um, uh, I lost it. Uh, in essence, let's put it in cowboy terms. The law of the the first time you read it, then that's kind of like. The thing that's the first time it's stated that is that's what it means, and you have to carry that throughout the rest of the word. The problem is that doesn't always work, and this is a good example of that's not how it always works because in this case, it's it's something that God used to keep man out of the garden. I'm going to show you something that I, it's just going to give you a different perspective of what the sword was, and then what Jesus turned it into, all right? So the sword was a boundary. The sword was keeping people from the tree of life. Let's put it, let's put it into cowboy term right here. The sword was because of sin, because of man's original sin, the sword kept people from a relationship with the Father, the way that it was. It kept them out of the garden. It, it was a place of, of holding you back from, the, from life, holding you back from life. Well, what is Jesus? Jesus is life. So something had to be done about that sword, right? Come on, watch this. This is so good. Oh, man, thank you, Father, for this. Go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. Zechariah, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7. It says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd. And the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. Man, this sounds this sounds the opposite of Jesus, right? I'm glad you I'm glad you thought that. I'm glad you saw. Let me show you something. Now go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. Now we're in the new covenant. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. And Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me. This night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. 
<clears throat> Come on, man. Come on. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd. So what Jesus is doing is putting himself in the path of the strike. So Jesus is taking the sword. Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to be the one who ends up getting the sword. The sword is coming for me. Man, thank you, Jesus. I, this is so deep. This is so good. He's telling them, you've heard it said that, you know, in, in Zechariah in the Old Covenant that the Lord said, strike the shepherd. Guess what? I'm the shepherd. And guess what? I'm going to take the strike. And why? Because you're my sheep. And I'm taking them for you. I'm taking the stripe and the strike of the sword for you. Because something happens when the sword, whatever we put in Jesus, whatever we place in Christ, he redeems. Whatever is happens in Christ comes out different, never the same. Whatever is placed in Christ completely and totally changes. You want to see this? Oh, I love this so much. Go, I, I wrote this down. Jesus links the sword of Eden with the death of the shepherd. Seeing the sword as a spiritual instrument used to cut. Ultimately, the cutting leads to life, which is not what swords are known for. Swords are not known for life givers. They're known for death givers. But Jesus frames his pending death and our faith in his death as one represented by the sword. The sword equals the cross. Whew. Thank you, Paul White, for that. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 26 Verse 51 through 52 says this. And suddenly, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, and cut off his ears, his ear. But Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. All right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This... All right, so something had to happen from what the old covenant, when I, I could take you through a hundred different scriptures, especially like in Judges. They're, they use a sword uh, always to cut the enemy, always to uh, cause is warfare. It's always physical warfare with the sword. And then Jesus comes on and he says, I'm going to take that sword and that sword is going to penetrate into me. And when it penetrates into me, it's going to change. And now the sword no longer is for you to use physically to hurt or offend other people to cause you other people pain, I'm going to take that sword and I'm going to change its whole responsibility from being a physical to being a spiritual sword. Whoo, man, man, because whatever is placed in Jesus is forever changed. 
including when the sword pierced his side on the cross. Now that sword is no longer used in the same manner that it used to be used. It is now used spiritually and not physically. So what's this part that he's talking about here with Peter? I just love this. This I'm just going to kind of talk to you about it. Earlier in that same, uh, in the Gospels, it's explained that Jesus, this is such an interesting thing. You really have to connect the dots here. Jesus literally told Peter, I need you to get me, go get me a couple of knives, swords. Go pick up, and he tells him, two, two swords. So Peter does as told. I never understood this the way that I'm, the Lord is revealing it to me right now. But I, I was always, I always thought it was interesting that Jesus is the one that told Peter to bring the sword. And then when, put yourself in that situation. Jesus told you to bring two swords. It's important that you get two. Jesus told you to do that. And then you're standing in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here come the Roman soldiers and the, 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 you know, the high priest and, the, you know, all, I mean, not the high priest, but here comes a mess of people ready to arrest Jesus. They're coming at Jesus in the garden. They got swords. They're ready to arrest and end up murdering Jesus right in the garden of Gethsemane. If there's ever been a time in Peter's whole life that it was time to use the sword, that was the point. Why would Jesus have you bring a sword if, if not to use it? And if not to use it, now seems like the best time to use it when they're trying to come and, 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 and arrest the Savior. Arrest your Messiah? Oh, no, no. Oh, this is why. This must be why Jesus told me to pick a sword up. So Peter pulls that sword out like he should, like he was told, like he understood, and he takes that sword, and I don't think he was aiming for the ear. <laughs> I think he was going to split that old boy's head wide, plumb, open. And the guy, I just could see the guy kind of duck, and here comes that sword and cut off his ear. And Jesus holds Peter back and rebukes him and picks up the ear of the soldier. It's the last miracle that Jesus did. Picked up the ear of the soldier and put his ear back to re and restored it, his hearing and his whole ear. Well, why did you have Peter bring a sword if he wasn't allowed to use it? Recently, I was doing a little history. I love history. I love biblical history. I love first church history. I love all that stuff. And, and one of the stories that came out, and I'm not saying this is fact. I don't know. 
But it just like caught my attention. Like, whoo, I never saw that before. And it was this, that there, the Roman soldiers had begun to, the Roman government had begun to, to deal with insurrection. And one of the ways that they, they were, they could tell, you know, everybody had swords. So if they're, so the way they defined it, an insurrectionist, is if it was a group that was plainly set against the government, the Roman Empire, and they had more than one sword in their group. So, if there was a group of insurrectionists and they were caught with two or more swords, then they were they should be they could be arrested so get this there's two thoughts i have on this number 1 is jesus already was even though he's in the garden of gethsemane praying god if there any if there's any other way possible please let this cup pass from me He's so stressed over the situation. And I don't know this. I, I don't know, but this is what I've always been taught. It's so stressful that he sweat drops of blood over it. Yet, before they ever went to the garden, he made sure that the Roman soldiers would have a legal right to arrest him for being an insurrectionist. His intention was never to use the sword. He was using the sword so that, that he the father's plans would all fall together. He planned to take the sword, not defend with the sword. Man, that's beautiful. Why? Because we were really ultra good people? Nope. <laughs> Come on, you know better than that. Because he loved us. I think another perspective that the Lord kind of showed me is that maybe he had the swords so that they knew that he could be defended. Because it takes a special type of temperance to be able to defend yourself and somehow keep your sword sheathed. You, you may have the right to pull your sword. If there was ever a time to pull your sword, Peter, now's the time. The Messiah is being arrested. Pull your sword. And Jesus is like, no. You may have the right. I think this is one of the, the worst human attributes I know of is that we have these things, well, well, he deserved it or or I had the right or, you know, I, I he deserved that or I deserve to be able to do that. You know what? Maybe life is about the fact that you might have the right but using 
faith, meekness, temperance. <laughs> Come on. Patience. Love. Keeping your sword sheathed when you don't have to is a journey into itself. Just something to think about that I guess the core value of what I'm trying to get to today is that what the sword was meant for in the old covenant, Jesus took that sword and he was, it went into him. It penetrated him. And out of that wound came living waters. In the Old Testament, in the Genesis, the sword is keeping people from the tree of life. Keeping people from life. Jesus takes that sword and has it, allows it to go into him so that he could restore that life that was blocked. And he took us by the hand and walked us back into the garden. And now we have relationship restored with Father God. And that will cut you. I hope you have a great day. I hope you're cut to the heart with his word, cut to the heart with his truth, cut to the heart with his life and all that he gave you. And understand that this was never meant to be an offensive weapon. This is meant to bring life. <laughs>